This is an ABC podcast. Sexual harassment, not today. Women, or skirts, are now allowed into the workplace in numbers never seen before. With them, they bring breasts and smaller brains. But beware, before you remind them of these facts of nature, this could be considered sexual harassment. And it could land you in hot water. Ouch! It burns. So take this simple quiz, and you'll be guaranteed to never do the don't in the workplace again. Juni is the latest assistant at... Insert workplace name. And boy, she's easy on the eyes. <laughs> Juni drops a pen in the middle of the office. She reaches down, skirt and all. You, A, run to collect the pen. B, run into a corner and close your eyes. Or C, run into Juni. If you selected B, close your eyes, then congratulations. You have not sexually harassed Juni in the workplace. Now a part of your official HR records. <laughs> Workmates, hi. It's your old friend Claire Hooper here. You know how we've been talking about shifty, no good, horrible bosses? You would be yelled at and that would be public. Well, what happens if that boss or someone else you work with turns, you know, slimy? Like when they're not just horrible, they're handsy. It could be happening to you. It could be happening to a colleague. I hope you're not doing it. Sexual harassment. What is it? And what can you actually do about it? This is the Pineapple Project, the podcast that makes work better. And what you're hearing now is a juicy slice of information where we talk tactics to deal with workplace creepiness. We decided to go straight to the top to get some fast answers. Kate Jenkins is Australia's Sex Discrimination Commissioner. Basically, her job is to advance gender equality. <laughs> so easy. She's in charge of a national inquiry into workplace sexual harassment, which means people from all around the country have told the commish about the low-down, dirty dodginess in their workplaces. Look, no-one can hope to be 100% happy in their workplace. Like, we're going to work with people who are difficult. How do you know that you're not just dealing with an asshole and you're actually dealing with sexual harassment? Yes, and I think most people accept that you deal with a mix of people at work. But sexual harassment is unlawful when it really interferes with people's ability to do their work. And sexual harassment is... Uh, the definition is that it's unwelcome sexual conduct where someone would reasonably be offended, humiliated or intimidated. So how do you know when you're dealing with sexual harassment? It's usually it's sexual. It doesn't mean it involves touching or it could be comments, it could be jokes, it could be a text message. You don't want it, so unwelcome. So, you know, people talk about uh, relationships at work. If it's welcome, it's not sexual harassment. And then it's also offensive and it's reasonably offensive. So it's not you being super sensitive. It's, you know, the average person would say, yeah, that's pretty disgusting. People are a bit confused. I think now they think it's bad people and it involves physical touching. It's close to sexual assault, but actually sexual harassment's all that collective behaviour. And the reason we don't want it isn't because we're prudes. It's just so that everyone can just get on with their work. So everyone can feel safe and comfortable. But it's not just about safety. It's actually about being able to go to work, be productive, 
get promoted, get opportunities. So it's also about being able to be your best self at work, which is really important for our like lifetime economic security as well as our personal sense of self. Okay. So you know all about how sexual harassment works in theory. I very much hope you never have to experience it. But how might a situation like this play out in the real world? Here are a few of your stories. Well, he told me that I'd be a great broker if I just got my tits out and that would get me in the door and then my brains would do the rest and keep me there. Since then, I've actually had words with him and said it wasn't on and I've called him out. But it it took me, you know, a couple of good months before I actually got the courage to walk back in that office and let him know that. When I was in my early 20s, I worked with a particular male who was quite overpowering and quite inappropriate. And I got myself into a situation where I had to pull him up for his uncalled for remarks. And looking back now, what what he did 10 years ago to me nowadays, it just would not be acceptable at all. When I was working in hospitality where I was sexually harassed by my boss, kept on asking me about, because I'm bisexual, kept on asking me whether I was dating a man or a woman and making me pick and all the stupid jokes that he made. I worked in the cafe for about a year and then I and then I just had to quit. I just got too much. One of the comments that he made to me once was, I can give you carpet burns on your knees if you'd like me to. What um, did you do about that? Walked away and then quit. No, 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 no. That, all of that, not okay. In fact, illegal. Rather than just laugh it off trying to forget it ever happened, Kate says it's important to talk about sexual harassment. It's become a dinner party topic of conversation, which is on reflection, even though I like to not talk about work when I'm at dinner, it's actually a good social conversation. If the dinner party conversation or the dinner conversation is not about this is fine, what's her problem, but around the table, actually, I realise this probably shouldn't happen. Uh, I know young people, for example, in those conversations are taking cues on what's okay and what's not okay. I think there is a real opportunity for us right now. I think there is a real desire as a broader community, not in a personal embarrassing way, but to sort of start learning, okay, what's the new okay? What's the new norms? I think we think of sexual harassment as being a men on women sort of story. What are the actual stats on who it's happening to? Uh, One out of three people at work have experienced sexual harassment. So of that, it breaks down to 39% of women. So that's sort of two in five women in the last five years have been sexually harassed. And 26% of men, so that's one in four men. Now, who are the harassers? Well, our research says four out of five harassers are men. That means one out of five are women. Often both men and women are more likely to be harassed by a man. So while it's not a war of the sexes, it does seem that there's a real opportunity for men to learn more about what harassment is and to steer clear of it. But also for the men that I've spoken to who've experienced sexual harassment, they find it really confronting. They really don't know what they can do about it. 
And then some of them who speak up say the response is very much, you know, this comment of, oh, I'd love to be sexually harassed. So that's kind of, you know, belittling that that made them feel humiliated. Uh, So they really say it's really hard to complain. And the research says that men are less likely to complain, but if they do, employers are more likely to take action in response. So that's an interesting piece of information to know. You do hear stories about people reporting and then having their work negatively impacted. Is this, are we hearing this out of proportion or is this a real risk? I think it's a real risk. So firstly, we did the survey looking at what what does sexual harassment look like? And what it told us was that one in three people had experienced sexual harassment, but only 17% of those people did anything about it, made a complaint, took any action. And so when I talk to people across the country and when I look at the submissions we've had, it is really clear that the reason people don't complain is they are fearful that they'll lose their job. First and foremost, I hear that over and over again. You know, I'm the sole breadwinner. I have a young child. I have a mortgage or this is the industry I want to work in and I can't stuff it up. So they don't want to lose their jobs. They actually don't want to be ostracised and become the enemy. There was one woman who said, I just, I I raised this complaint because I thought I wanted the workplace to be better. And somehow I became the problem. And I just don't know how that happened to me, but I've heard that story over and over again. It's like the person complaining is the problem. They're whinging, they're making things more difficult. And then the other reason people say they don't want to complain is particularly in Australia where we think of ourselves as a, a big place, but even, you know, when I'm in Adelaide, they say we're a small town. When I'm in Hobart, they say we're a small town. Actually, when I'm in Canberra, they say we're a small town. So what they say is if I complain, then it will affect my my whole community. If I'm complaining about the president of the local footy club, actually people are not going to like me. So there's lots of reasons why they don't complain, but 17% do complain. So then I listened to stories about people who did raise issues, which was really, that's the only avenue really available to people at the moment. They raised complaints. What happened? Our research tells us that of those, half say nothing happened as a result. Nothing changed. Just less than half say they themselves suffered negative consequences. And that's often been ostracised or excluded, being moved, being disciplined, losing their jobs. As you've gone around Australia talking to people during this national inquiry. Have you come across any horror results from making a complaint? I've come across a lot of the stories. So we're getting submissions and I'm really appreciating those stories and hearing stories. And we've heard lots of stories that are really dismaying, whether I'd call them horror stories. So sometimes the horror stories that people assume are the someone, you know, really tried to physically and sexually assault me in the cab on the way home from the Christmas party. And that's often a one-off incident, but it's not appropriate. But some of the other horror stories are I went into work and every day comments were made, sexual you know, remarks directed to me, around me. I was expected to put up with it. And for 20 years, you know, in the kind of cop shop that I worked, that was normal. And I actually lost a sense of what was okay and what's not okay. So I heard those. But in terms of the The stories I'm hearing that are most frustrating is either when people do make a complaint or when they don't, but they end up 
losing their job or having to leave because they can't work with that person and then they can't get another job because the industry is quite small and the rumours are they were the difficult one and other stories. So there was one particular woman who really stuck with me and she had a complaint of sexual harassment by another woman. So this woman had physically grabbed her. She was a sales rep. I think they were in a car together, grabbed her between the legs. She was completely confronted. Older woman could not believe it. When she spoke to the uh, company, they took, well, they originally didn't take her seriously because everyone assumed women don't harass women. But when they did take her seriously, they realised she was a contractor. So they said, well, it's not us to deal with. The contractor didn't really take it that seriously, but they started to look into it. The woman lost the contract with the company. She went on workers' comp. She's now going through a whole process and two years down the track when I met with her, she said she's about to lose her car because she has no ongoing work and her mortgage is at risk. She's about to lose her house. And when I listened to this story, it was this kind of no one has noticed that the sort of the escalating add up all those things that just about a poorly managed situation in the first place, it can have really long-term consequences on people's careers and their income. And when she came to speak to one of the consultations, she said to me afterwards, this is the first time that I feel like I've sat down and just told my story and someone has listened to me and just believed me. And I have heard a lot about women saying, because we know there's all this story about women will make stuff up, that reality is they don't, women and men don't make this stuff up. No one wants to talk about this and invent it. But the response isn't, that's terrible. The response is, can you prove it? Was there a witness? You know, is there video footage? And, And I've heard stories of women going into offices with their iPhones ready to tape conversations and you're thinking, you know, how can we do this where you don't have to prove it like you're in a court of law? If you're just saying this happened and I don't want it to happen again, surely we can find a better way. Kate says there are absolutely concrete steps you can take to stop behaviour that makes you feel uncomfortable. So if you're experiencing sexual harassment, there's a number of options, not just making a complaint to your employer. You can learn more about sexual harassment and your policies at your workplace. You could contact the Australian Human Rights Commission. We have an inquiry line to learn more information. You could speak to someone in your workplace like the human resources person a union representative, for example, there might be an employee assistance program you can talk to because you might both want to learn about your rights but also get some support to help you cope in the workplace. All of those options are available to you for dealing with a particular incident. And you might also like to talk to your workplace and employer generally, just generally on how they deal with sexual harassment. Sometimes people, rather than raising individual complaints, have started having conversations off the current global uh, focus on to encourage their employer to be more focused on preventing sexual harassment. Now that the National Inquiry into Sexual Harassment has wrapped up, Kate and her team are looking at how to use their findings to help workplaces get better at detecting, preventing and punishing sexual harassment. 
and we need to look at what those new laws will look like and they'll be better laws. And I, I think those laws, I'm prepared to go out on the limb, that they won't just rely on individual complaints, that those new laws will be starting to say, employers, you need to do things. And it's not just when someone brings you a complaint that you start need to, needing to act. You need to, a bit like, you know, on safety, you know, you, you're not meant to leave the court across the floor. You've got to think about what's the prevention. Thanks, Sex Discrimination Commissioner Kate Jenkins. It might not feel like it, but times, they are a-changing when it comes to workplace sexual harassment. So, let's make Kate Jenkins happy and talk about it. Do it for Kate. Don't do it for Kate, but, but talk for Kate. Whatever. Have a dinner party tonight and bring it up before the entree. All right. You can visit the Australian Human Rights Commission online for more information about your rights at work. I'm Claire Hooper and this is The Pineapple Project, the podcast that makes you better at work. This has been a juicy slice, a bonus just for you. We'll be back with a full episode before you know it. Next episode, how to nurture a family and a career. You assume that the baby's going to, you know, have some challenges, you know, with that separation pace, but we don't talk about separation anxiety for the parent. We have a term, working mum, but... A working dad is just a dad. It wasn't until I realised that when you've got two kids in tow and all the paraphernalia that comes <laughs> along with them and you're trying to hold one's hand and push a pram. How to tell your boss you're leaving work. But actually, you still want a career as well. Or how to tell your partner you're not leaving work. And we're aiming for three. So after the second baby, we'll reassess and see who's going to go back for a second go. Find it wherever you get your podcasts or hear it on the ABC Listen app. This is a production of ABC Audio Studios.